Hi, and welcome to the Lehman Krellin Podcast. We're focusing on insights into financial services, mostly out of the UK, but there's also a global component to what we're bringing you. Thanks for your time. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining us on the Lehman Krellin Podcast. Today, I've got Zoe King with me. Hey, Zoe. Hi there. And we're going to discuss the FCA's stated commitment to build a supportive regulatory framework that quote is at the forefront of ISG thinking internationally. And of course, how those efforts are supported by the consumer duty. So what I wanted to find out from you, Zoe, is that I've understand that there's, for instance, reform of the listing rules. And I've heard of the International Sustainability Standards Board, but that's pretty much where I'm done, where my knowledge ends. So <laughs> can you please fill in the blanks? Thanks. I don't think you're going to be alone there. I think a lot of people are trying to get their heads around, not just in terms of what needs to be done and how it's going to be done, but also a lot of these acronyms and what they mean and how they're going to change things. So this particular action, this relates to the wider radical reform that we're seeing now across the UK listing regime. The FCA are really keen to modernize it, create some more agility and flexibility and really promote innovation across the regime. And again, the ISSB standards are going to really fit into that. And I will explain to you a little bit more as to why. So obviously, we're going to be taking these standards or obviously, sorry, we're going to be taking these standards to basically push things forward in terms of meeting our sustainable finance obligations and improving the quality of sustainable related disclosures in the UK. Now, to cast our mind back, what does ISSB mean? What is it? And how is it going to help things? Well, back at COP26, so that's back in 2021, the IFRS, which is the International Financial Reporting Standards, they announced that they were establishing the ISSB, the International Sustainable or Sustainability Standards Board. The ISSB basically has positioned themselves as a global baseline for corporate reporting standards for sustainability. Their goal is to develop global, consistent and comparable set of sustainable reporting standards that can be used by firms. Got it. So it's not just financial related metrics or anything like that. Correct. Absolutely. So these are these are disclosures and these fit really nicely into standardizing, globally standardizing some of those disclosures and uh, and metrics that we're expecting to see. Our government set forth in their green financing roadmap a set of objectives that they expect us in the UK to to do to meet our net net zero requirements. We have to remember we've only got six and a half years to half our emissions. So, Mm. you know, we've got quite an aggressive timetable to keep. So it's these standards that the government's Green Finance Roadmap expects to be the backbone of our UK regulation. And the FCA agree. These Mm. ISSB standards, they're global, they're harmonized. They're exactly, they're going to help our industry immensely. But they, they too are consistent with meeting the FCA's strategic objectives. And the way we know that they are going to meet a sort of a global standard, as it were, is that all of this is being discussed in IOSCO. Oh, right. Of course, at that level. So yeah, that helps with kind of like global consistency. Yeah. And IOSCO, basically, you've got 200 members across 100 countries that consist of regulators and exchanges, and they really are working hard at the moment to try and create more of a harmonized and standardized approach to a lot of these ESG sort of metrics and frameworks, et cetera. 
Um, and obviously ISSB is the standards there are really key to that. Now, where are we now with these standards? Well, they're not yet finalized just yet. They've been unanimously approved. And so we're now waiting for those to be published later on in the year. And that should tie in quite nicely with SDR, which we'll come on to next, but also some of those changes that we're going to start to see now for the listing rules being overhauled and, and modernized, and they can fit quite nicely into that when they're ready. Okay, that's very helpful, Zoe. And so basically, we're looking to see what's being published later this year. Is that what we're waiting for next? Yeah, this is going to be over the next year or two. So this will be part of the 23-24 plan. So I'm sure we'll start to see some movement there in terms of changes under the listing regime. Got it too. And I'm also curious to see, and this is maybe just a sort of almost a rhetorical question, but what will come out of the next COP meeting, the one that's being held in the Gulf later this year? I wonder if anything's going to change as a result of that, but we will wait and see. So now I want to jump into the sustainability disclosure requirements that the FCA, have they finalized and published those yet? Where are we with the SDR? So we're expecting to see the final policy statement coming out coming out later this year. And this is a really key piece of regulation. I'm quite excited about this one. I mean, ultimately, culture, transparency and trust are at the core of this piece. But hey, that's, that's going to be a, a sort of a, a common theme anyway. It is, especially with consumer duty obligations. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're going to notice actually a lot of those frameworks that are being redesigned now under the consumer duty are going to be where we're going to be hanging a lot of these processes and changes now for SDR as well. So it's it's worth always thinking about that as you're designing your consumer duty frameworks to be thinking about future proof and the changes that we're making here. But to go back, just to remind everybody that the new sustainable investment labeling regime is going to be for investment products and sustainably related disclosures are intended to apply to FCA regulated asset managers and distributors of investment products. And then, of course, not forgetting the anti-greenwashing rule that's going to apply to everybody. And that also includes financial promotions for unauthorized persons. It's, it's a lot to take in. There are a lot of changes all happening here. And whilst the labels are going to help create more transparency, the disclosures are going to help inform also market pricing and support businesses, risk and capital allocation decisions. So it's been quite interesting watching the SER evolve. I believe what they've done is they've timed it so that they can watch what's happening with EU SFDR and obviously not forgetting the SEC disclosure regime. Because there are elements that they have, I suppose, harmonized with and those that they have not. So what it looks like we're going to find now is there is a little bit of fragmentation here. You are going to have certain firms are going to find some of their products, for instance, straddle across regimes. You may find, so firms may find that some of their products, for instance, are subject to Article 8 or Article 9 under SFDR. Uh, but they don't actually meet the qualifying criteria for any of the investment labels under SDR. Ah, so you know, that was a question I had for you is, do you have a sense of whether or not the UK's SDR are like a gold standard compared to SFDR coming out of the EU? I think they definitely want to be driving that. That's definitely the direction they're driving at, I believe. I I think the labels are certainly... They're, they're higher thresholds and 
also, which is interesting, is there is a sustainable improvers category. So they've also made space for transition approaches. And, and we're going to start to see as well as things progress, the transition plans and progress on those plans are going to become very much a key focus for the regulators. So those labels are going to help at least direct them in, in the direction that they need to be looking at. But also it enables firms who might not necessarily be sustainable today, but be able to present a really credible transition plan that gives people and certainly consumers the trust and the faith that they're heading in the right direction. And therefore, it's a good firm to be investing in or, or putting their money behind. That makes sense, because even if they're not where they want to be today, and let's face it, most firms probably are not, there is at least a baseline that they can start disclosing now. Yeah. And then as they improve over time, we can make that that comparison. Okay, that's good to see. Absolutely. And we're going to start to talk as well on the on some of the in a little bit about actually where stewardship comes into into that as well. So I just wanted also, I don't know if that's okay with you, Damon. I think firms need to be starting to to get things moving forward now. Mm. In fact, they probably should have already started doing it. <laughs> frankly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And under consumer duty, I think they should have also been thinking about SDR as well whilst they were making some of those changes. So yeah, I mean, what my recommendation really is that firms need to start to familiarize themselves with the different labels and, and mapping those against existing products and, and investments. Look across your processes and controls and see how those disclosures and labels will be applied. But also where things change, because of course, the environment we, we live and operate now in is really changing on, a, on quite a, a regular basis. And I think this is also why the regulator is trying to design its regulation to be far more agile and flexible so it can react to those change in market conditions. But yeah, look at how those disclosures and labels can be applied and, and how they will, you know, obviously keeping a close eye and monitoring them as things change. And also, finally, I think firms just need to keep a watchful eye on, on how things are progressing. Obviously, they'll be keen to see when the forthcoming ICSB standards come out and any developments as well in the UK green taxon taxonomy. Although the UK green taxonomy is, although it's not required at SDR at the moment, it will be coming down the line. So it's good for firms to be keeping an eye out on that and, and just familiarize themselves on it. Has the FCA provided any feedback on their discussion paper on ESG governance, incentives, and competence? No, not yet. This paper marks a real key commitment under the FCA's strategy to develop a, an approach to governance, remuneration, incentives, and training and competency. Ah, so TNC is brought in too. Okay. So yeah, absolutely. Now, I think this one this discussion paper, if you're not on it already, I think you need to be. You Basically, to embed new ways of sustainability thinking into the industry's operational practices and decision making, it really is imperative that the culture values and competencies provide your staff with the environment, knowledge and skills to achieve this. And, and this, this discussion paper is absolutely going to be driving that forward. Got it. It's, there's there's echoes of consumer duty as well. You know, they're looking for culture change oh, along at least two vectors, right? So one is on consumer protection, disclosures. The other, with regard to ESG, disclosures as well. So 
that that's good to see that there's that consistency at that level. Correct. It is about building that trust and, you know, building in transparency. Firms need to be pegging sustainable goals against executives and, and, and all staff's objectives. But two things that really stand out for me in this discussion paper. One is active investor stewardship. That's a real key area of focus. Now, just to remind ourselves, that's really how institutional investors, for instance, asset owners and managers are engaging with issuers, how they exercise oversight and challenge and hold those issuers to account. And stewardship is such an important role in influencing a positive sustainable outcome, but also interestingly, transition to net zero. And stewardship is going to be quite key for to help the regulators hold firms to account and get them to meet those objectives. So not only are firms going to have to think about the regulator and, and them on their back, but also their investors are going to be putting asking questions. What this discussion paper is setting out to do is really to identify where there might be potential barriers for investors that will prevent or hold them back from effective stewardship. It, it wants to make that path far easier. The FCA back in, gosh, four years ago, I think it was, they identified at the time that the firm's, that the firm's governance arrangements just weren't conducive to effective stewardship. And they said that what they would do is further down the line, they would think about how they were going to change that and actually specifically in relation to climate change and net zero transition. Has the FCA its own net zero transition plan? It has got its own transition plan. It is certainly not exempt. And yep, it's going to be looking to review all of its operations and supply chains to identify and manage sustainability risks and opportunities. I would imagine it's going to be looking across its market oversight, supervision, policy teams. And yeah, I shall look forward to, to reading that closely when that comes out later. Excellent. Maybe we can do a short summary of that one on this podcast as well. We can do. That sounds great. Excellent. So look, I am fresh out of questions. Are there any other points that we want to bring up before we close this one down? I would love to talk about competency just very briefly. Yeah, yeah, of course. So one other aspect that I thought was really interesting under the discussion paper was competency. So the paper sets out a really clear message to firms that they need subject matter experts and not just a desire to do the right thing. Claiming you have ESG-related expertise in your teams without being able to substantiate those claims is what the FCA now is terming competence washing. So this oh, is another good. term. We've got yeah. greenwashing, we've got green hushing, now we've got competence washing. And firms really need to be quite careful about that. When they're hiring people into roles, they need to make sure they got that expertise. Now, this is where it does pose an interesting question. Do I also need to continually hire people from financial backgrounds? We need to be looking as well to hire people from non-financial backgrounds people who can understand and interpret the science. Yeah, yeah, you need that diversity of thought in there. Otherwise, it's, you know, where are you getting fresh ideas, right? Completely. If you keep pulling from the same pool, everybody looks the same, thinks the same, 
here. To me, that's a failure of stewardship right there. I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. We know diversity of thinking in order to apply a sort of system thinking approach to, to solving really big, complex problems. Another thing as well is that firms have identified that really sustainable skills outweigh market supply and talent. It's far more cost effective to tool up and train up your existing staff. So we are going to start to see a lot of firms rolling out their training. But, you know, we can't be applying a sheep dip approach to ESG training. There has to be very detailed up to date as well, because obviously the environment is continually changing, but there has to be far more tailored training out there now for staff so they can do those to do their, their roles and incorporate sustainability into those investment decisions and processes because we are not we're nowhere near meeting our requirements and we just need to tool people up and give them the, the information and the knowledge that they need to get the job done, but identify as well at the same time those opportunities out there and grasp both hands to me that makes perfect sense right because you're you're not only affecting that kind of cultural change in the institution by bringing in obviously experts and and people who who understand this stuff better than just the casual sort of observer of it and then the other side which i think is important is there's the human resource angle right you are developing your people skill sets and that is super important not only for retention but I think to drive that kind of cultural change they're looking for. So the the point I'm making really is a bit roundabout, but to drive cultural change in an organization, you can't have just one per- person beating a drum. Right. Right. You can have a band leader, right, which is the expert, <laughs> but then you need, you know, a whole symphony of, of change. And I think that that's, that's important. Okay, so Zoe, we've covered a lot of ground on this one. I just want to do a quick whistle-stop tour of where we've been. We've talked about the ISSB standards. We've talked about the upcoming changes to the FCA's listing rules. We've got a piece on the sustainability disclosure requirements coming out of the UK, and that's different from SFDR coming out of the EU. And we've got some feedback to the discussion paper that's going to be coming out a little bit later. Anything I miss? I think that sounds great. <laughs> sounds like a master's degree right there. <laughs> yeah, really. You got to write a thesis now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold me to it. <laughs> oh, dear. So, look, thanks again for for all of your time and for your insight, Zoe. That's very super helpful. And as publications come out and as the thinking develops a little bit more on this, we're going to have to bring you back in for an update. How does that sound? I would be more than delighted, Damon. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks again for your time. And thanks everyone for listening. This is the latest edition of the Lehman Krillin podcast. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.